Welcome back, Football MD fam, to episode 20 of the Football MD podcast. My name is Michael Bowling. I am joined, as always, by Daniel Ronan. We are your hosts, and today we have our entire week seven recap from every game from the NFL. We're going to be covering everything from this past week's games as well as all fantasy relevant news. But first, make sure that you guys are following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FootballMDPod. Make sure that you're heading over to our website, FootballMDPodcast.com. We have a ton of articles relating to college football, betting odds, all of your football related needs you can get over at our website. And of course, it is still the month of October and we are still selling our special edition breast cancer awareness t-shirts. They are $20 and all of the proceeds will be going to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So if you would like to represent the podcast and support a great cause, please make sure you're messaging us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook or hitting us up on the Contact Us section of our website to place your order today. But now let's hop right into this week's game, starting with the London game, the Tennessee Titans falling to the LA Chargers 20-19. Deion Lewis had a great day, 13 for 91 on the ground, and caught all six of his targets for another 64 yards. Now, I will say the Chargers have allowed the third most receiving yards to running backs this season. So it was a plus matchup for him through the air. It was definitely nice to see him take advantage of that, but I still have a pretty hard time trusting this offense going forward. Deion Lewis had a great game in week one, and then he kind of fell off the map until this past week. So I'm not fully confident on him going forward, but it is nice to see if you're someone like me that's been holding on to him throughout the majority of the season so far. And for the Titans through the air, Corey Davis, I'm honestly not willing to move on from him just yet. And I know it's getting redundant now. I feel like I'm defending him every week this season. But in five out of his seven games this season, he's been matched up with Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Casey Hayward, Tredavious White, and Brandon Carr. Those are extremely tough matchups for any wide receiver, especially when you're catching the ball from Blaine Gabbert and an injured Marcus Mariota. So coming up in the next few weeks, he plays the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, and the New York Jets. So I definitely think his matchups are going to be a lot more favorable going forward, or at least for the next few weeks. And if he does have a nice stretch of games somewhere over the next four weeks, I think you should honestly look to selling him high because I still don't want to put too much faith in this offense. And on the other side of the ball for the Los Angeles Chargers, they had a pretty good game. Phillip Rivers um, really did set the tone. 19 completions on 26 attempts, 306 yards for two touchdowns. The disappointment was in the run game for me. Uh, Austin Eckler had the chance to be the starting running back, and he just didn't really take advantage of it. 12 carries for 42 yards just wasn't really good enough, and five receptions for 26 yards. He just wasn't very productive with his opportunities. The guy, to me, to own, besides Keenan Allen in the passing game, though, is Terrell Williams. He seems to be in sync with Phillip Rivers. He has touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, um, both of which are deeper touchdowns, so they're giving you bonus points if your league permits that. And he's not seeing a ton of targets right now, but he is the most productive. It's kind of a long, like a deep ball target in a high-powered offense. Usually with Melvin Gordon in play, that's like they're playing in the box and to beat them deep once is not too much to ask in that offense, especially with Phillip Rivers at the play. He's going to notice coverages. He's going to be able to see when he's got an open man. He had, he did it twice this game. He had Mike, uh, Mike Williams on the deep ball and had another deep ball in that game as well. So two last week. So the Chargers, 5-2, and two, they're looking really good. They only lost to the Rams and the Chiefs. So I would expect the Chargers to keep on rolling. They are going on a bye this week. 
But coming off their bye, I would continue to start your studs for them. Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, not too worried about his injury either. It was a hamstring injury, but he's getting with the bye significant time to rest it. So hopefully he can come back and he won't be too much of a problem. But that's really all we have for the Chargers and the Titans game. We'll move right on to our next game of the week, the Detroit Lions defeating the Miami Dolphins in Miami 32-21. It was a surprising day for the Lions where their run game really dominated. You had Kerryon Johnson, 19 carries, 158 yards with an 8.3 yard per carry average. I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. I called this. I've been telling you guys since the beginning of the season that Kerryon Johnson, it might take time, but he was one of the best running backs in the class and that he was going to a good team where when he was given the opportunity, he'd be able to produce 158 yards that's producing he did miss out on the touchdown because LeGarrette Blunt vultured him by the goal line so annoying I mean I mean don't get me wrong LeGarrette Blunt was actually decent it was well 10 carries 50 yards so five yard per carry average he's helping out he's not like you know what I'm saying it's not that he's being bad it's just carry on Johnson's so good there's no reason to bring Blunt in really and carry on Johnson also did get three targets in the passing game caught two of them for 21 yards so like I said just being a top tier guy or trending in that type of direction right now we have him as a mid to top end RB2 and rising and in the passing game it wasn't a great game this week because the run game dominated they that only Matt Stafford threw for 22 passing attempts which is low for him but still the way it breaks down Golden Tate the most targets and the most receptions on the team so most he is your most consistent option in that passing game Kenny Galladay really has the biggest play ability so he has the highest upside but he is pretty risky from time to time and with Marvin Jones we wouldn't really recommend starting him unless you really need a touchdown dependent option in any given week whether it be to buys or injury Agreed. And moving over to the Dolphins' side of the ball, Kenyon Drake, he had just six carries. Again, these low carry totals continue, but he did have that big 54-yard rushing touchdown. He continues to be the most electric option from this backfield. Hopefully, Adam Gase begins to realize that. However, one bright spot is Kenyon Drake's involvement in the passing game. He did lead the team this week with eight targets, so definitely some optimism going forward there, especially with the injuries to the wide receiver core. Albert Wilson, he left the game early with a hip injury. He's unlikely to play on Thursday night. Kenny Stills, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. His status for Thursday is up in the air. And Devontae Parker, he was a healthy scratch. I would honestly like to see Parker get traded. I think this guy needs a fresh start. For whatever reason, he's just not getting the opportunity to get on the field in Miami. And because of these injuries as well, I think Danny Amendola could slide into a nice role. He's now caught 14 of 18 targets over the last two weeks for 143 yards and one touchdown. So I think at the very least, he should be in the PPR flex play conversation especially with four teams on by going into week eight. And in our next matchup, the Buffaloes fall to Indianapolis Colts 5-37. to And the Bills continue to just struggle. They have a couple bright spots on their schedule this year where they had a couple of good games, but realistically you can't rely on them, especially without Josh Allen in the lineup. The only real storyline from the Bills side of the ball was LaShawn McCoy's concussion. He seems like he'll probably miss time. In his absence, Chris Ivory seems to be the guy to be filling in. Um, he did have 16 carries for 81 yards, which is good, but I wouldn't really, I really wouldn't count on him. If you're weak at the position and you need a streamer, 
No doubt about it. He's a guy that could be on your radar, especially because he could be on your waivers or whatever it might be. Besides that, there's really nothing to talk about. It's an offense that you really want to stay away from and a team that's really struggling right now. So we'll move right over to my Colts, who finally your Colts. looked like that. <laughs> my Colts, who finally looked like that offense was clicking. I don't care that it was against the Bills. I don't want to hear about it. I'm very happy with how they looked. Andrew Luck completed 17 to 23 passes for just 156 yards, but four touchdowns. And he almost had a rushing touchdown, but he went out of bounds at the one-yard line to avoid a hit, which I'm personally a fan of. You know, let's just keep this guy healthy. I can't take another half season or more of seeing him not on the field. And I really do think he's one of the few quarterbacks, one of the top six, seven, eight quarterbacks for fantasy purposes right now that really is matchup proof that you don't have to worry about. It sounds crazy to say that, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many players at the position that you would trust more on a week-in, week-out basis. And for the run game, Marlon Mack followed up on his big return last week for 19 carries, 126 yards, and one touchdown on the ground, as well as catching two passes for 33 yards and one touchdown through the air. Of course, the Colts being in control of this game led to increased opportunity for Mack, and I still am a little bit concerned about him when the team does fall behind. I think they will go back to Naeem Hines in the passing game, but I have no worries this week going up against the Raiders. I think Marlon Mack is going to be a great start, and it's nice to see them be productive on the ground. And we also saw T.Y. Hilton return to the lineup this week. He was held to just four catches for 25 yards, but he did find the end zone twice, and this was in a tough matchup against Tredavious White. I really do think that T.Y. Hilton is a borderline wide receiver one going forward with how often Andrew Luck has been throwing the ball. So if you've been waiting for T.Y. Hilton throughout his injury, you're definitely happy with that performance. And Eric Ebron came back down to earth. He caught three of seven for just 31 yards. That's just the tight end position. I really don't have anything to say about that. I think until Jack Doyle comes back, you're going to keep starting him week in and week out. It does look like, however, that Jack Doyle will be coming back potentially as early as this week. So I know a lot of people have been dropping him. No one likes to roster two tight ends. If Jack Doyle is available, he's definitely worth a speculative ad. And now we'll move right over to our next game, the Minnesota Vikings beating the New York Jets 37-17. On the Vikings side of the ball, the big story here is that Dalvin Cook is potentially shut down until after the Week 10 bye. A lot of people drafted Dalvin Cook in the first round, early second round, so this is definitely disappointing to hear. But hopefully you handcuffed him or are able to grab Latavius Murray off of the waivers. I think he is a running back two or at least a high-end running back three going forward. He does draw a tough matchup this week, however, against the New Orleans Saints, who haven't allowed any running backs over 13 PPR points this season outside of Saquon Barkley. But if you do have Latavius Murray, you're probably rolling with him in most weeks with Dalvin Cook out of the lineup. In the passing game, Stephon Diggs struggled catching 8 of 14 targets for just 33 yards. He definitely hasn't been what I thought he was going to be going into this season, but he's still seeing those target totals for, in my opinion, to keep him in at least that top 20 conversation for the rest of the season. Adam Thielen, he's of course continuing to do ridiculous things, now having 100 receiving yards in 7 straight games. And Kyle Rudolph, he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three and hasn't passed 41 receiving yards since week four. I'm personally still in on Rudolph with just how few options there are at the tight end position, but he's clearly not an every week starter at this point like he was last season. A little bit of disappointment there, but again, that's just the tight end position. And on the other side of the ball for the Jets, really uh, not such a great week. We talked about this last week was a great week for them. And then yet, and then they come back to down to earth this week against a better opponent. That's what you're going to expect out of the Jets all season. There's nothing really to cover. They really were pretty bad. Sam Darnold, 17 of 42 attempts for 206 yards and three interceptions. So 
Right now, you really can't trust anybody in the passing game. I did say last week, you might want to look Robbie Anderson's way. He did see 10 targets, and towards the end of the game, he saw three targets in the end zone that he couldn't corral the ball once or twice. So in tough coverage nonetheless, but he wasn't able to catch it. So it really, you don't want to be relying on any passing options. If Anderson still continues to see that target total, you might want to squeeze him in in a good matchup, but definitely not week in and week out. And now we'll go right into a surprising matchup. The Houston Texans beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-7. to And on the Texans side of the ball, really not much to report here. Lamar Miller, he had a solid game, but I'm not putting any confidence in him going forward. Any NFL running back that gets 20 touches per week is bound to have a good performance every now and then. He is a professional athlete, so I don't care that it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense has not been this season what it was last season. They are still a good defense, but they're not that number one defense in the league that we thought they were going to be. And the only injury to note here is Kiki Kuti. He's going to be out for Thursday night. It's already been announced, so make sure you're looking for another option there. And I'm going to jump right into the Jaguars, but first I got to say, I apologize to anybody who listened to (laughs) the preview episode for this past week. I did say that I thought Jacksonville was going to have a dominant week this week. I thought their defense could have shut out Houston, and I was very surprised by this outcome. Not because I thought Houston was a bad team. I did go on record to say I'm not 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 a fan of Houston. I like Houston, actually. I think they're a good team. But I just thought Jacksonville would bounce back after a disappointing showing against the Cowboys. And they did not do that. And I think what that says is really that they are having interior struggles with that team right now. Things are just not clicking for them. Things are not going their way. Um, Blake Bortles was benched, so they said it was just a warning. And going forward, he will remain the starter. But obviously, then he'll be on a short leash. And the only real storyline to cover from the Jags is Carlos Hyde's entering Carlos Hyde into the picture. And we're pretty much going to take the wait-and-see approach with him. I wouldn't start him and get him into your lineups just yet. Yeldon hasn't been great, but he also has been there. He knows the system. It's going to be hard to just take Yeldon out and not give him carries. Hyde is going to have to be learning a new offense and a new system, new vernacular and everything. So it's really going to take time time for high to adjust so take the wait and see approach don't force him into your lineup but as long as Leonard Fournette is out he does have a promising situation he's coming into yeah for the more short term before Leonard Fournette returns what this does for me is I think that Carlos Hyde is going to be more detrimental to TJ Yeldon's fantasy value than Carlos Hyde will actually be a fantasy asset I really wouldn't be too confident starting either of these guys going forward until we at least get some clarity on the situation. And even when Leonard Fournette does return, I think Carlos Hyde is going to be the handcuff that you want. Fournette just has not been durable, so we don't even know if they're going to want to give him that full workload for the remainder of this season. So there's definitely a lot to keep an eye on going forward with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in our next matchup, New England goes into Chicago and steals the win 38-31. This was a really great game. It took New England two special teams touchdowns to get this tight win, and Chicago was inches away when Kevin White went up for what was a Hail Mary pass that came down on the two. He powered his way to the one-and-a-half-yard line (laughs) and fell just short as they pushed him back. Forward progress did not get him into the end zone, and it was really a great game. Uh, It was a a treat if you were watching it, and New England continues to roll. Tom Brady, 25 of 36, 277 yards, three touchdowns. He did have one interception, and... For his wide receivers, Josh Gordon is really becoming, in our opinion, the guy with the most upside. He had just one less target than 
Julian Edelman, who's supposed to be Tom Brady's safety blanket. And he was way more productive with 100 yards and a 55-yard long. So he's really able to stretch the field and make big plays. And in the run game, Sony Michelle did get injured. We're really upset about this because we've been high on Sony Michelle. We've been waiting for him to come out, and it looked like he had he was breaking out. And unfortunately, he did come down with an injury. So James White, definite, definite must start going forward until Sony Michelle returns. He might or may not miss a couple games. He might be back this week. We don't know what's going on with him yet, so keep an eye on that going forward. But the New England Patriots continue to roll, and whether it's Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, even Hogan in matchup-based situations, you definitely want as much of this offense as possible. And on the bare side of the ball, Mitchell Trubisky, while he has not impressed me at all from an NFL perspective, I truly just have not been impressed with what I've seen from him on the field. He has been awesome for fantasy over the last three weeks, finishing in the top five in each of those weeks, averaging 33.9 points per game and 60 rushing yards in those three games. That's an average. That's not a total from those three games. So he's really just been awesome. And he now plays the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Detroit Lions in the next three weeks. So I definitely think Trubisky is on that streaming radar at the very least I think he's a top 10 option for the next few weeks coming up and the run game Jordan Howard he had 12 carries for just 39 yards one touchdown that early game touchdown really saved his day for fantasy but still not very promising for him going forward Tariq Cohen he had six carries for 14 yards on the ground but then caught eight of 12 targets for 69 yards and one touchdown through the air it just seems like Tariq Cohen I said it last week he just fits what Matt Nagy wants to do with this offense they don't want to run a conservative, grinded-out offense. They want a playmaker in the backfield, and that's exactly what Tariq Cohen is. And for the passing game, Allen Robinson, he was definitely disappointing. But remember, guys, he is dealing with a groin injury and was a game-time decision for this game. He was also matched up with Stephon Gilmore. So I was not surprised at all that he underperformed this week. I think the matchup and timing just wasn't great for him. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they hold him out for a week or two going forward just to let him get right for the rest of the season. So if you do have Allen Robinson on your roster, just make sure you're watching his health status for the next few weeks going forward. Up next, the Browns fall to the Tampa Bay Bucks in another overtime game, 23-26. to It seems like Cleveland goes to overtime every week. On the Cleveland side of the ball, their offense is not bad. Baker Mayfield was pretty good on Sunday with 23 completions on 34 attempts, 215 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He also had four rushes for 43 yards, so added a little base value there. Jarvis Landry dominated in targets, 15 targets, 10 receptions, 97 yards, and he got into the end zone, so he had a great day. Najoku continues to be on the rise, four receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Those are the two guys you want in the passing game. And and I am ecstatic to say that last week I told you guys immediately get Nick Chubb into your lineup. Even though they named Duke Johnson the starter, they completely went in Chubb's direction. And he had 18 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. This week he was good enough for an RB1. I believe he finished as the RB10 this week. So he... Finished inside the top 12 at least. And like I said, Nick Chubb going forward, arguably RB1. He's probably a high-end RB2 um, unless there's a good matchup like last week was with the Bucks. So definitely, definitely start Nick Chubb going forward. Get him into your lineups. He's going to be way better. And just by the eye test, he looked better. He looked better than Carlos Hyde. He looks like the best running back on the team. And I've been saying that since week one. I said it in the beginning of the season. I said it preseason. 
I'm a huge fan of Nick Chubb, and now it's time to get on the hype train. And for the Buccaneers, a fairly ugly game for Jameis Winston. Zero passing touchdowns, two interceptions, but he still threw for 365 yards and rushed 10 times for 55 yards and a touchdown. So Jameis Winston, still a top 10 guy for me going forward. Ronald Jones, he got into the end zone. We said it last week, he should be rostered in all leagues, but you're not starting him just yet. And Chris Godwin is really the only pass catcher that I really want to bring attention to. He's now had 59 yards or a touchdown in every game this season, except for the week four disaster against the Chicago Bears. He's also had five receptions in four of his six games this season. So while he's not putting up huge numbers, he has been very solid, providing a very safe baseline. And once you get outside of the top 20 wide receivers, honestly, it's all kind of gross. Everyone's a little bit boomer bust. You never really know what type of production you're going to be getting. So Chris Godwin is 100% someone to have on your radar going forward. And for our next game, a huge comeback win for the Carolina Panthers beating the Philadelphia Eagles 21-17. This game was 17-0 going into the fourth quarter. The Panthers made the comeback. And for fantasy, I think that Devin Funches is really the only reliable receiving option that you can try trust right now outside of Christian McCaffrey of course but Funches is currently averaging 7.8 targets and 4.8 receptions per game and has found the end zone three times this season he's looked solid I don't see that changing anytime soon And Greg Olson, I'm not writing him off. I think the upside is definitely still there. He had just two receptions for five yards this past week, which 100%, I understand it's not promising, but I will keep saying it again. That's just the tight end position. He did manage to find the end zone in this one. So you're going to have those up and down games. You're really just hoping for the end zone. You know the upside for a guy like Greg Olson is usually there. So I think you're going to continue to roll with him going forward, although he's not a top option at the position. And on the other side of the ball for the Eagles, they really should not have lost that game leading 17 nothing going into the fourth quarter and it was a great day for Carson Wentz 30 completions on 37 attempts is very accurate 310 yards two touchdowns no interceptions unfortunately he did end up losing a fumble on the last offensive play for the Eagles to bring down his fantasy total a little bit he wasn't as good as he was last week but he was still top in the league he was still top tier guy so so remember, if you had any concerns of his of him coming back slowly from his injury, he has arrived, he has returned, and he's back in true form. He has Zach Ertz um, back into tight end one competition with nine receptions, 138 yards. He didn't get a touchdown this week. Alshon Jeffrey, seven receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown is the other option that you really, really want in this passing game. They're both super productive, highly targeted, and need to be started week in and week out. The interesting conversation with the Eagles is the rushing game. And when my co-host here, Mike, and I were talking about this before we started the show, we discussed that without JGI, nobody's really performing too well. Nobody's really impressing. And for me, as a Notre Dame fan, so I might be a little biased, I boldly said that I do think the best running back at the end of the season for the Eagles is on the roster right now and I picked Adams I think Josh Adams is built like a at least one or one and two down back and but he's got the size 6'2 225 pounds he's got the size to stay on at least in pass protection on third down so he is a talented player I watched him all throughout college I know he wasn't highly touted coming into the NFL but Regardless, I do think he is talented and should get an opportunity now because Clement and Smallwood, no matter who they've played, has not really been too impressive. So why not give the young rookie, Josh Adams, 21 years old, why not give him a chance? 
I do think he could produce on that offense with that team. Yeah, and this game was the ideal situation for the run game to have a solid day. They were up 17-0 going into the fourth quarter. So you would have expected Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement to have a nice day, and they just didn't. So maybe there is that role for Josh Adams to become more involved in this offense going forward. And in our next matchup of the week, New Orleans squeaks out a win in Baltimore against the Ravens 24-23. This was Drew Brees joining only Brett Favre and Peyton Manning as one of the quarterbacks who's beaten every team in the NFL. Obviously, guys like Tom Brady never get the opportunity when you stay with one team to beat every team in the NFL. Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, and now Drew Brees, the only three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to defeat every single team in the NFL. So congratulations to Drew Brees for that and throwing his 500th touchdown pass. Another elite stat for Drew Brees. He continues to rack him up at the end of his career. He really, truly is one of the best to ever do it. And... That's why he is able to sport such a high-powered offense where you have two running backs who continue to get equal workload and in any given game can both be highly productive running backs in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. This week it was Alvin Kamara with 17 attempts for 64 yards and the touchdown. And in the passing game, Drew Brees really continues to connect with Michael Thomas, nine targets, seven receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown. But we know there's a Drew Brees, and we know how much he throws the ball. So the other options in the offense that you might be interested in are Traquan Smith. He seems to be on the rise with three receptions, 44 yards. He had six targets this week and played 73% of the snaps. So he's definitely trending upward. And Benjamin Watson as well caught a touchdown this week actually the 500th touchdown pass from Drew Brees and he has now caught all 10 of his targets the past two weeks so he's definitely trending in the right direction we know Drew Brees throws it a ton so there's a lot of upside in this offense and as long as Drew Brees is at the helm you want as much of this offense as possible yeah I'm pretty high on Traquan Smith and Benjamin Watson going forward with Ted Ginn now on IR but on the Ravens' side of the ball, Joe Flacco, 279 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, another solid game, and I think he'll continue to be a solid streaming option in Week 8 against the Carolina Panthers. And for his receiving options, John Brown, he saw a season-high in receptions and yardage, caught 7 of 7 targets for 134 yards and a touchdown. And I personally just love the season that John Brown is having. I've been a big fan of John Brown for about the last three seasons now. Injuries have always derailed his seasons. But it's great as a fan to see him finally coming on, staying healthy, and having a productive season. And for Michael Crabtree, he caught 5 of 9 targets for 66 yards. He definitely doesn't have the same upside that John Brown provides. But a very nice floor play going forward, averaging about 9 targets and 5 receptions per game. So Michael Crabtree, definitely someone to have on your radar. Could definitely hop in as a bi-week filler. And for the run game, really not excited about either of these guys, Alex Collins or Buck Allen, going forward until we see something change. Neither of these guys are someone that you're sliding into your lineup with confidence week in and week out. But let's hop over to our next game, the LA Rams beating the San Francisco 49ers 39-10. On the Rams side of the ball, really not much to report here. You're going to continue starting the studs for the Rams offense. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. Of course, with Cooper Cup out of the lineup for the time being, there was some optimism surrounding Josh Reynolds, thinking that he could step into a prominent role on a high-powered offense. And it just doesn't look to be that way. Gerald Everett kind of 
kind of handled the over-the-middle work, and he was not very productive at all. I think he finished the game with negative five yards. So you're really not starting anybody outside of the people that you were already starting. It seems like the Rams have their game plan in place, and they're not interested in really working anyone into that for the time being. So going forward, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup when he returns. Of course, with Cup in the lineup, Jared Goff gets a little boost. But other than that, it's business as usual for the LA Rams. They're a high-powered offense. You're confident with their starters. And on the other side of the ball for the 49ers, of course it was a rough, rough game for them. What did you really expect with, with their injuries this year and all their struggles and playing the dominant, very hot Los Angeles Rams? But there is a couple of bright spots. I will say C.J. Beathard has not been te- terrible. This game was a little deceiving to that. This game wasn't great for him. But I think there is some upside there. Not like you're playing Beathard, but I just want to say don't be too scared of Goodwin in a good matchup or Kittle, who should be an every week starter, catching five of eight targets this week for 98 yards and a touchdown. He was Beathard's roommate, so I guess he figures that at the very least he'll get uh, Kittle some action week in and week out because it seems that no matter what, no matter how bad the team looks in a given week, Kittle seems to look very, very good. And in the run game, Alfred Morris disappointing with nine attempts for 25 yards. Breida unhealthy only had five snaps. So the guy that I really do think is a talented running back, and when I watch the tape, he's explosive. He can run in between the tackles because he's shifty. He can get, he could really explode through a hole. I was really impressed with his ability to not only hit the hole, but get through the hole, really take advantage of very little space and opportunity. And that's Mostert. He had seven attempts for 59 yards on the ground, and he caught all four of his targets for 19 yards. So he just seems to be a dual dual weapon type of back, very versatile. You could use him in any situation, and I really do like his skill set. He's speedy, he's shifty, he can really move, make you miss, and I think there's a lot of upside there in a system that I've talked about a million times is very offensive-friendly, very running back-friendly. Kyle Shanahan usually supports a top-tier running back, and his offense puts you out in space with that zone-blocking scheme, and it could definitely benefit Monster going forward. And there's definitely concerns about Matt Breda going forward. He just cannot stay healthy. He's really not built to be an every-down back. And I personally think that he would benefit from some time off, let him heal up, let him get right. And in his absence, Mostert, as you mentioned, he was solid in the passing game and on the ground as well. So he could really step into that role that Breda's been playing. And this coming week, week eight, they play the Cardinals, who have allowed the most touchdowns to running backs in the NFL. So Mostert, 100% on your radar and in some deeper leagues, especially with four teams on by, probably should be started on a lot of teams. And in our next game of the week, we have an NFC East matchup where Dallas falls to Washington 17 to 20 and this was a pretty disappointing game for the Dallas Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott only running for 33 yards on 15 attempts and a 2.2 yard per carry average. The bright spot of the offense was actually the passing game with Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup who had three receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown. One of course was a 49 yard long but with his 85% snap share he seems to be trending in the right direction as the top target there Cole Beasley still though very very reliable seven receptions 56 yards he is the one who is getting the most targets and the most opportunity in that offense but no doubt about 
there's going to be a huge shakeup. And before we get to the Washington Redskins, we'll take a quick minute to discuss the Amari Cooper arrival in Dallas. And I'll let you kick it off, ask you, how do you feel about it? What do you think it means for not only Amari Cooper, but touch on what you think it means for Oakland and also Dallas? Yeah, I think for Amari Cooper, I'm definitely expecting him to see a significant share of the targets on the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm not expecting the Cowboys to shift from a run-first offense. And the Cowboys, they are currently, this is kind of speaking a little bit more towards fantasy purposes, but they are 26th in plays run and 25th in touchdowns per game. So Amari Cooper's upside going forward, I don't think this is necessarily a great move for him just in general, a wide receiver switching teams halfway through the season. That's a very tough transition. I don't care how talented you are. But I do like the opportunity that this provides for Dak Prescott to have a true number one wide receiver. And I think this definitely opens up more opportunity for Michael Gallup to be a little bit more involved in the passing game, see some routes open up for him as well. And for the Oakland Raiders, I think this is a good move as a franchise. They now have three first-round picks. As you mentioned earlier, they have five first-round picks over the next two years. So for a team that is in rebuild mode, I think this is a pretty good move. And I think for fantasy purposes that this raises the ceiling of Jordy Nelson and also Jalen Richard and Jared Cook. There's some more targets to go around there now with the number one pass catching option not there. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys fare going forward. And I think you nailed it right on the head. You pretty much covered it all. I have a little bit of a different opinion in the fact that I do think, and I'm not saying necessarily for fantasy purposes, but I think this is a great move for Dallas. I really do. I'm a huge fan of this. Just for the team in general, I was talking to Mike earlier about how I think Amari Cooper is a young, talented wide receiver in his prime who was struggling on a team that was struggling. And yeah, obviously, he's had drops. He's had mistakes that are clearly on him. No doubt about it. You can't deflect all the blame. But I do think in a situation that he's entering in Dallas that is a run-first offense, defenses aren't going to be focusing on him coverages aren't going to be as difficult to beat as opposed to in Oakland where you're expecting them to throw the ball with Derek Carr and as the number one wide receiver in that option you probably garnered a lot of coverage if not double teams so in Dallas I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunity and a lot of upside to the situation he's coming into he's not going to have to be the the focal point of an offense that's still going to be Ezekiel Elliott which is going to allow him to create plays on the outside while he's not being focused in on. And as you touched on, Michael Gallup on the other side, the guy who's trending in the right direction, 85% snap share, that guy is not only now going to not be the focal point, not even going to be the first option in the passing game, he's going to be the second option in the passing game. So that really does make his opportunity and his intrigue a little higher. For sure, an interesting situation there. Really can't wait to see how that unfolds, honestly. Amari Cooper, he's had an up-and-down, bit of an inconsistent career. But still very young and has an opportunity to really change the scenery, change of opportunity. Yeah, he's the same. Yeah, he's the same age as Calvin Ridley, which I thought was crazy. Calvin Ridley's a rookie. He ain't as good as Calvin Ridley. <laughs> Calvin Ridley's the truth, of course. But moving over to the Washington Redskins side of the ball, Adrian Peterson. He looked good again. Twenty-four carries, ninety-nine yards, and for fantasy purposes, he still needs that touchdown to really make your day. But AP, he looked mobile. He looked quick against the Dallas run defense that's actually played pretty well this season. So pretty promising there in Chris Thompson's absence. And as far as the pass catchers go, the only player that I was still in on was Jordan Reed. And he only saw four targets, two receptions, 43 yards. He still leads the team in receiving. 
but you really can't trust any of these pass catcher options going forward. Alex Smith, it's crazy. He was MVP form last season, and he's just not getting it done in Washington right now. So little optimism there going forward. And now let's hop into Sunday night. The Cincinnati Bengals falling to the Kansas City Chiefs 10 to 45 and Andy Dalton, primetime Andy, he tricks us every single year. He starts playing well and then he hits that primetime matchup and I start him. I do this every single year. I don't know when I'm going to learn. 148 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was extremely locked in on AJ Green, which is awesome for AJ Green. He got 14 targets, but Tyler Boyd, his second wide receiver option saw just four targets. Remember guys, Tyler Boyd has averaged 6.2 receptions per game prior to Sunday night. He saw just four targets this past week. So I think the game plan was off. It was just typical primetime Andy Dalton play that he apparently just cannot escape that curse. So it's just a down day for this offense in general. Even Joe Mixon had a, had a very pedestrian, very disappointing day, but he's still getting that opportunity. The Chiefs have been playing red hot. They're on fire. It was prime time. Their defense actually brought it to the Cincinnati Bengals this week, so I'm not buying into that too much, but for the other pass catching options, CJ Uzoma, he continued to play on a ton of snaps. Of course, this is due to the injuries to Tyler Eifert and Tyler Croft, and he caught his only two targets for just 13 yards. He did find the end zone. Again, I said it three times already. This or This is the third time I said it this episode. That is just the tight end position, but I do think that you can trust Uzoma going forward, especially playing the Buccaneers in Week 8, who have struggled to defend pass catchers in general this season. Yeah, and to elaborate from my position before I get over to the Kansas City Chiefs, I do think the Bengals, it just seemed to me like a bad game, like a down week. They were on the road in Kansas City, a team that's been red hot lately and just, you know, at home in prime time. Just seemed like everything was clicking for them. I really think this was more about the Kansas City dominance right now than it was the Bengals. You know, it was an off night for them. Every team goes through them. So I wouldn't focus too much on the down game for the Bengals. Still have a lot of optimism for them going forward. Definitely starting Andy Dalton next week against the Buccaneers. They've been good, and and I think they will continue to play pretty well. On the other side of the ball, Kansas City. You know, what, what more needs to be said about Kansas City? They are... Lights out this season. Patrick Mahomes, 28 of 39, 358 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, and four rushes for 45 yards. This kid has done it all. He's continuing his greatness. And Kareem Hunt, 15 attempts, 86 yards, a touchdown. He actually got sat towards the end of the game for Spencer Ware, who came in and was also productive, eight attempts for 59 yards. So literally just everything clicking. Tariq Hill, 10 targets, 7 receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins, 7 targets, which he caught 4 of for 74 yards. And Kelsey, 5 catches on 5 targets for 95 yards. So this offense is humming. You can trust everything that's going on with it. I will say that I definitely believe that this will continue, and I think that they're a great team. But Andy Reid does have a tendency to start off very, very hot and have very good beginning of seasons. Now, this looks like a whole new team. This looks like a team that cannot be stopped. They have everything you're asking for. The defense seems to be improving a little bit each and every week. And that offense is so good that that's all they need from the defense. But I will ju- I am just interested to see how this pans out because it is a young quarterback with an Andy Reid-led team. I hope it doesn't all go to waste. But we have seen it all too often with Andy Reid. And that'll take us right into our last game of the week. 
the Monday night game where the Giants lose a close one, 20-23 in Atlanta to the Falcons. And in a game with a very high under-over with two very bad teams who seem to just be able to score and not really be able to play any defense, of course the defenses show up with very minimal scoring in the first half. And although, and I and I believe they combined eight sacks between the two teams, so it seemed more of a defensive day, and the scoring really did come late. And from the Giants' side of the ball, really not much changed my perception about this team. Eli Manning threw for 399 yards, which is awesome, but just one touchdown. I genuinely did not even know that that was possible, and it is nice to see a solid day from Eli Manning, but... Again, against this Falcons defense, it would have been more of a storyline if he wasn't able to do that. And the same goes for the other offensive weapons for the Giants. Saquon Barkley, 94 total yards, one touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr., eight receptions, 143 yards and a touchdown. Sterling Shepard, five receptions, 167 yards. Again, this is just against a Falcons defense that you would expect these guys to be able to take advantage of. So not much of a storyline there. If you did start Evan Ingram in his first game back, that's definitely not something that I would have recommended, but he caught just two of four targets for 16 yards, and I'm really not willing to buy into that too much. It was his first game back, so Evan Ingram, he's a talented tight end. I think he is going to be fine going forward, and not much to change for this team. You're starting the options that you were starting. Sterling Shepard, I know he had 167 yards. He's still that wide receiver three flex option going forward. And on the other side of the ball, for the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan continues to have an awesome season. 31 completions on 39 attempts, 379 yards, one touchdown as well, zero interceptions. And in the passing game, he continues to spread the ball around. Julio Jones being the most consistent, obviously, with 12 targets, nine receptions, 104 yards. Still has yet to reach the end zone. But after Julio Jones, you have... 10 different players who all caught passes from Matt Ryan, so he really is distributing the ball. Calvin Ridley, who's been on the rise, and Austin Hooper, have been, who have, have been on the rise, both were involved, but not enough to really warrant any, any real excitement for their fantasy day. The disappointment, in my opinion, was the backfield for Atlanta. Tevin Coleman did squeeze in to the end zone with 11 attempts for 50 yards. Ito Smith was not that great in his complimentary role with seven attempts for 16 yards. Against a defense that hasn't been too great this year, I really would have expected more from them. But it was just that kind of day. Even Atlanta's defense was much better than they've been recently, holding Barkley under 100 yards. The first team to do that so far, to hold them under 100 all-purpose yards. You had to squeeze that one in there. Of course, absolutely. That is a porous, beaten-down Atlanta Falcons defense, and yet they showed up. And they at least performed well enough to really help get the win this week. They don't help every week. Usually it's Matt Ryan, you know, in a shootout, and he either gets the win or he doesn't. But this week, they did help out. They showed up. They played good defense on Barkley, and although he got a ton of opportunity, they didn't let Barkley beat them, just like Barkley has been doing at just about every other team in the NFL. And that, guys, is our NFL Week 7 recap. We thank you for joining us. Remember, as my co-host Mike said before we started, I'll just remind you guys, hit our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook at FootballMDPod for any questions, advice, or just to stay up on the latest news. You can also go to our website, FootballMDPodcast.com, where we have a ton of content, not just NFL. We also have, for you gamblers, weekly picks under the Sully Says page, and for you college football fans, the College Football Corner, written by Chris Ronan, 
out of his four previews, he got three correct this weekend. So he's crushing the college football corner. And lastly, to remind you guys, our Breast Cancer Awareness Special Edition t-shirts are going fast and you should reserve yours today. They are $20 a piece and the proceeds will be going to breast cancer research. So great cause and you can rep the Football MD podcast, be a part of the team. So order yours now by any of our social media sites, email or our website. Until next time, guys.